of your provision for us with this church, with the teaching at this church, and with all of our all of our needs. You knew, know each and everything, Lord, and we just want to glorify you in each and everything that we do. Uh, today's reading, we're in Genesis 5, starting in verse 21 to 24. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah, Methuselah, I'm sorry. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. This is God's word. If you would, please turn to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers 13. Verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send out for yourself men, so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of their father's tribes, every one a leader among them. Now turn to Numbers chapter 13, verse 32. Numbers 13, verse 32. When the spies returned, so they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone in spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. Now, Numbers uh, Numbers 14, verse 2. All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? And finally, Numbers chapter 14, starting in verse 18. The Lord is slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations. Pardon, I pray, the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your loving kindness, just as you also have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now, spoke Moses. Verse 20, so the Lord said... I have pardoned them according to your word. But indeed, as I live, although earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord, surely all the men who have seen my glory and my signs, which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, 
yet have put me to the test. Three, these ten times and have not listened to my voice. Shall by no means see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who spurn me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has had a different spirit, has followed me fully, I will bring into the land which he entered, and his descendants shall take possession of it. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites live in the valleys, turn tomorrow and set out to the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with the evil congregation who are grumbling against me? I have heard the complaints of the sons of Israel, which they are making against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will surely do to you. Hey, careful attention here. Your corpses will fall in this wilderness, even all your numbered men, according to your complete number for 20, from 20 years old and upward, who have grumbled against me. Surely you shall not come into the land which I swore to settle to you, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Your children, however, whom you said would become a prey, I will bring them in, and they will know the land which you have rejected. But as for you, your corpses will fall in the wilderness. Your sons shall be shepherds for forty years in the wilderness, and they will suffer for your unfaithfulness until your corpses lie in the wilderness. According to the number of days which you spied out the land, forty days, for every day you shall bear your guilt a year, even forty years, and you will know my opposition. I, the Lord, have spoken. Surely this I will do to all this evil congregation who are gathered together against me in the wilderness. They shall be destroyed, and there they will die. You may be wondering why I read this passage out of Numbers when we're talking about Genesis chapter 5. I read this passage because it is a perfect example of people who heard the word of God and did not believe it. This is a nation who heard the word of God and how they would take the promised land and they would not believe that the Lord would do what he had done. These are the same people that had seen the miracles in Egypt and have seen the, the fire cast down out of heaven and had seen the death of the firstborn and had seen the sea parted. And when God said he would give them the land, there were those of the spies who gave a bad report because they did not believe the Lord. And the people grumbled against God. They did not believe what he was going to do. You see, the Bible is full of promises of God which never fail, which never cease to come true. And it seems that the Bible is equally full of people who do not believe the promises of God that they hear. That they go their own way and chase after their own gods and their own idols. It is my hope that in this passage today, in Genesis chapter 5, as we speak about the lineage of Seth, that we will see the inklings of those who believe and trust in the Lord, that see that God is the light upon the path that leads them out of the darkness. A few housekeeping things before we start. You may be disappointed if you're familiar with this passage that I will not be giving much attention to the particular names, except for a few that are in here. I find that much time is wasted on what names mean in the Bible and little time is spent then on the message of redemption. Of course, names are interesting, but names don't save except for one, and that is the name of Jesus. 
That's where we must keep our focus when it comes to the name. So here we are in Genesis chapter 5. We are in verse 1. John Weathersby preached last week on Genesis chapter 25 and 26. And we could vector in and we could say that there are four main people that we want to talk about in this section of Scripture. Number one is Seth. Number two is Enosh. Number three is Enoch. And number four is Noah. These are the four people that we want to see. And why do we want to talk about those particular people? Last week, John told us in verse 26, these words, Seth, who was born to Eve, who was born after the death of Abel, who was born after the death of the son who properly worshipped the Lord. It says in verse 26, or excuse me, verse 25, it says, God had, me, God had appointed me another offspring in place of Abel, for Cain killed him, and this was Seth. And then it says about Enosh, to Seth, to him, also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Men began to worship the Lord. We could even say that men began to worship the Lord correctly when we have the birth of Seth, and Enosh. Curious that we come into now this verse 1 where it says, this is the book. You know, I will stop right there. The book. This is written. This is not oral transmission. This is the book of the generations, the teledot in Hebrew, the generations of Adam. It is a written transmission that is given here. Not an oral transmission that could be mistaken. This is a written transmission that has been given, that we see laid out here. Curiously, Cain will never be mentioned again. The spoiler alert, the line of Cain will perish in the flood. Completely. This genealogy here, the generations of Adam, in the day when God created man, he made in the likeness of God, a slight short retelling of the creation story. It's a genealogy that records the lasting nature of the promise that God had given in 3.15. It tells us that the people at this point in time, they are following one of God's commands to be fruitful and multiply. It will also tell us that sin affects all men, here, and it will also see the most glorious thing of redemption that the seed of the woman who will crush the head of the serpent will be preserved. It is not a comprehensive genealogy. It does not mention everybody possible in the genealogy. But it is a purposeful genealogy of ten pre-flood, fancy word, antediluvian patriarchs. All leading up into the flood. All leading up into God's destruction of the world where he will save a tiny family. We could consider a few things as we look at this scripture. What you might want to think about as we work down into Enoch is that Adam knew Enoch. That Adam knew Lamech, that Lamech and Methuselah that we'll find lived right up into the point of the flood. 
that we have these long spans of time that are here. And we have to deal with that. But before we get there, when Adam was created, created in God's image. Created to reflect the character of God. To reflect who God is. To worship the Lord for all that He has done. We have then in 26 that they began to worship the Lord. Of course, this is right after Cain has slain Abel and how he has run off to the land of Nod, the land of wandering, where the wanderers are at. It tells us then in verse 2, it says, He created them, male and female. He blessed them. They were of great favor before the Lord. Uh, they were seen as good to the God Most High. That it would indicate that for a time period, very short time period, that they were in right relationship with God. That they too walked in the garden with the Lord. This is the first Adam. Adam being his name, Adam also being the Hebrew for man. He was 130 years old when Seth was born. Verse 3 tells us he became a father of a son in his own likeness. The sin of man is now becoming generational in its effects. That this sin of man is clearly being shown here that it is affecting everything. That it is clouding that image of God. And of course, the 130 years that we're talking about here, this can somewhat stretch our understanding of the Scripture. And perhaps, maybe we cast aspersions on it that that can't quite possibly be because very few of us have known anybody that has lived to 100 or even 110 and I guarantee no one here has known anybody who has lived to 130 and has born children. But we must remember that this is a different period of time, something that we are vastly unfamiliar with, that we can barely comprehend. This is right after casting out of the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden where no disease existed. Where no sin existed. An earth where no death existed until sin came about. Where there was not a time frame where sin increased exponentially with every, every, every particular generation. Don't miss this. We could make the following statement. There was no disease for a long period of time that is here. We could almost say, in fact, we would say that the weather was pretty close to perfect. Something that we have not experienced. Something that we would have a hard time comprehending. And if we were to pull this forward now to give an example now, understand this. If you have had a friend, a family member, a co-worker, a distant relative, or an acquaintance that died of cancer or a heart attack, or a stroke, or a car accident, 
or old age, we say that was the cause of their death. I am here to tell you that that is a lie and a mistruth. The cause of their death is sin coming into the world. We have long lifespans because number one, God has allowed it. Number two, sin has not run its full effect after thousands of years to see what happens here. Sin is the cause of all death that is in this world. And in case I'm struck dead within the next 14 seconds, Jesus solves that problem for us. He takes upon death for us so that we may live eternally with Him. At this point in time, the light on the path is still brighter than what we probably see, but the light has clouded. They do not see as clearly as they did before because of the sin problem that has entered the world. I cannot imagine what it would be like to be Eve having a child at 130 years old. She has nobody else to tell her what is happening. Nor can I imagine what it is like to be Adam, who is the father of sin, to consider to tell his children what happened. He is the first one. He has nobody else to check his record with. Anybody else? He is that one. He is the one to tell his children. Who would have had told Cain? Would have told Abel? Would have told Seth? What happened and how they got to where they're at? He would have described that to them. But it's hard for us to imagine being the first of anything. We are always, we can go back and talk to other people that are older than us. There is no one older. This is it. He's the oldest. He's the one with the most experience. He's the one who has fallen the farthest. Seth was made in the image of Adam. So things we know at this point in time, it seems like disease is not part of the world yet. Certainly things like cancer and colds are not part of the world. That sin has not run its full fruition. We also know that it is a limited gene pool that would show perfection in it that we wouldn't know. You see, we would have a problem because just a little bit of reading in this text indicates that men would have to marry sisters or aunts or cousins, which we have a problem with in this day and age. But we do know, if you would turn quickly to Acts 17.26, Acts 17.26, it says these words, And He, God, made from one man or one blood every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. This is what God has done. In His providence, this is the way He has created it. Not multiple people groups, one person through which everyone comes. Guess what? That means there is no such thing as race, but there is such thing as ethnicities. Different places on the earth. And I cannot wait to hear the message on the Tower of Babel. 
when it comes to it. This is what we have here and now. We have sin has come into the world. We have one son that apparently was the worshiper of God that has been slain. We've had the hope that was given on 3.15 seemingly cut off. But now we have Seth that is born who will birth with his wife Enosh and it says they started to worship God. There is hope and light on the path. Will we trust in God or will we trust in man like Cain's line did? Will we trust in the things of our hands to build walls around cities to protect us? To build things with our hands to slay those who come against us? Or will we trust in the Lord for what He has promised that He will do? That is the question we ask from this passage. Is there hope? And right now they have to be thinking it. Seth was born. The, I don't want to be crass, but the replacement for Abel. The righteous line through which the seed will come. But we must always remember they are experiencing this first. They don't have the rest of the Scripture like we do. They don't even have the next page. All they have, boy, I regret having said it that way. They have more than enough because they have God's promise that He will make it right. They just need to trust and believe. Need to trust and believe in the good news, the proto-evangelion that was back there. This promised seed continues. Then it says in verse 4, Then the days of Adam, after he became the father of Seth, were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Be fruitful and multiply. And he died. You can highlight that throughout this particular scripture, and he died. And he died because of the curse of sin. And he died. It doesn't say that he got cancer or that he got hit by a camel or anything like that. It just says he died. It is appointed to a man to live once and die. But for two. One of which we'll see soon. Verse 6, Seth lived 105 years and became the father of Enosh. Verse 9, I'm skipping over some verses, just bear with me. Excuse me, verse 8, so all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. And it says, Enosh lived 90 years and became the father of Kenan. Then Enosh lived 815 years after he became the father of Kenan, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. Death seems to be reigning in this particular world. We can imagine that even during this, so during this whole period of time, these people dying, Adam is still alive. Grandfather, great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, great-great-great-great-grandfather. Can you imagine the stories he's telling to them? 
Can you imagine how he and his wife Eve would sit there and they would tell the stories about what the garden was like? Or maybe they couldn't talk about it because it brought too much sadness to them. Because they remembered how far they had fallen. One thing's for certain that the message had to have gotten through because they are worshiping God at this time. They are worshiping the Lord at this time. That they must have told these descendants of theirs that about God and who He was and His character and how gracious He was in not slaying them the moment that they violated His command. But they died. And with every single death that goes on here, because they're human like we are human, you would be wondering, will the promise come true? How could it possibly be this death that God promised, God promised that He would solve this problem, that He would take care of our sin issue, that He would right the mistakes that we made. He promised that He would do this, but yet, He died. My father died. My grandfather died. My grandmother died. They all died. We thought this was the line that was coming through, but they died. They died, they died, they died. A constant mantra in here that we see. If we skip down to verse 15, Mahalalel lived 65 years and became the father of Jared. Then Mahalalel lived 830 years after he became the father of Jared and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years and he died. But verse 18, will there be hope? Is there light on the path that will guide them? Is there something to hang on to? Will they see God's promises come true? Verse 18, Jared lived 162 years and became the father of Enoch. Then Jared lived 800 years after he became the father of Enoch and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. Verse 21. Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. And our story changes right here. Verse 22, it says this. Now we know that the worship of God came about, but this is significantly different what we see. Verse 22, then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah. He had other sons and daughters. Enoch walked with God. Enoch was in communion with God. Not that they were walking in the garden like Adam and Eve would, but Enoch trusted in God. Enoch believed in God. Enoch listened to God. Enoch worshipped God. Enoch saw the truth that was found in God's character as the Creator. He 
He was not a worshiper of creation. He wasn't like those men and women that we find in Romans 1, 18-32 who know the truth of God and worship creation. He isn't like the line of Cain. Interestingly, I think I mentioned in my message the other week that there is a Lamech and an Enoch in Cain's line, not to be confused with the ones here. But we know that Lamech is seventh from Adam, and we know who is unrighteous in a murderer, and we know that Enoch is the seventh from Adam also in the line of Seth, but he is righteous and worships the Lord. Enoch is that light that is showing the seed of the promise, that is showing the pathway of the promise that God has given. Interestingly enough, if we turn to Jude chapter 14, the first book before Revelation, Just remember, it's Revelation, not Revelations. There is one Revelation, not multiple ones. Jude, half-brother to Jesus. I'll read the passage, a little explanation, then we'll continue. Jude chapter 14, verse 15. The words of Enoch. It was also about these men... Actually, let me back up for a second. And the only reason I'm doing it is because I just love these passages and it's just important. Jude is speaking against false teachers. And we grab in 10, it says this, but these men revile things which they do not understand and the things which they know by instinct like unreasoning animals, by these things they are destroyed. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain. Unbelief, false teaching. And for, the, for pay, they have rest headlong into the era of Balaam and have perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are, men, these are the men who are hidden reefs in your love feasts. When they feast with you without fear, caring for themselves, clouds without water, carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up their own shame like foam, wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever." It was also about these men that Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds, which they have done in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now, it may not take much, and some of you may be familiar with this. This is attributed to an apocryphal writing of the book called First Enoch. It is not Scripture. But I'm going to tell you right now, these are the words of God. Because of these, these are the infallible and errant words that are attributed to Enoch. And I know that they're Enoch's words because God says that they're Enoch's words. He was one bringing, as one that was walking with the Lord. And this is the judgment that he gives against the ungodly, the ones that deny God. The whole line of Cain that we see that is doing that. 
He is looking to God as his guide, as, as the light on the path. Psalm 119 that we find. That he is the one that he is listening to, not to the desires of man, but listening to what God has to say. This is the Enoch we are talking about. He walked with God. He believed the promise and walked with the Lord. Every step that he would have taken would have testified to who God was. Enoch did not misstep. He stepped rightly with the Lord. He did not stumble on the path because it was dark, because it was illumined by God Himself. And he trusted in the Lord. And what does it say? God took him. The only one in this particular set of Scripture that did not die. God took him. Interestingly enough, we'll find another godly man who walked with God, which was Elijah. Now remember, do not, understand, do not believe that these men were perfect. Enoch was not perfect. He was not an ascetic. In other words, he didn't live in a cave. He didn't beat himself with cords. He didn't do any of that stuff. It says he fathered children. One only needs to father a child for a short period of time to realize that you are not perfect. But he walked with the Lord. He trusted in the Lord. He repented of things he did wrong to the Lord. He prayed to God. He walked with God and he talked with God. And God took him away like he did with Elijah. An interesting aside, think about this for a moment, not for this message, but I can't help but mentioning it. Because God has appointed man to live and to die once, there are two people in the Scripture that have not died. Enoch is one, Elijah is the other. And then if you fast forward to the two prophets in Revelation, there's convincing arguments that those two prophets are because they will be killed as Enoch and Elijah because those are the only ones who have not died. Just a little aside to spice up your Bible study and to see. And then Methuselah, it says in 25, he lived 187 years, and I can't help but think so. The son lives and the father is gone. What happened to dad? He's somewhere. No, he just went. You know, it wasn't... They would have had to have known that the Lord took him away. They would have had to have known who to attribute it to. They would have had to have known because it was all new. There was only so many things that could happen. And it says, then, and he became the father of Lamech in 26. Then Methuselah lived 782 years after he became the father of Lamech, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. Back to the pattern. But Lamech lived 180 years and became the father of a son. And now we change the pattern again. He had a son. Now he called his name Noah. Saying almost in prophetic words, this one in hope, this is the seed, this one will give us rest from our work and from the toil of our hands arising from the ground which the Lord has cursed. This is the one who will save us. Enoch, maybe who we put hope in, he's gone, so it can't be him. Seth died, it couldn't be him. 
Enosh worshiped God, but he died too. But now Noah, this is the one. This is the one who will give us rest. This is the one who will solve the problem, the promise that our great-great-grandfather told us about. The Lord told us He was going to solve the sin problem that we brought upon you. He will give us rest. Flip down to Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. These are the records of the generations. Generations, again, that's Toledot in Hebrew, of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. And Noah did what? He walked with God. Noah walked with God. Another one walking with the Lord. The hope continues. The line of the seed continues. There are worshipers of the Lord, ones that walk with God, ones that trust with God, not priesters, but ones who actually are with God every day, believing in God every day, trying to understand God every day, listening to God every day. Noah's one of them. Man, Noah's going to have a task ahead of him. Noah's going to have to do some things that are will seem strange at the time. Maybe this one will give us rest, is what Lamech said. And oh, what Lamech would be thinking as the ark is being built, he would die approximately five years before the waters came. He would see this ark, which took approximately 120 years to build, rising from the ground. Noah, walking with the Lord, listening to the instruction of God, Lamech would have known, is this the one who is going to give us rest? Is this the one who will crush the serpent? Is this the one who will make the soil easy to till? Is this the one who will finally end the curse that is killing every single one of us? I wonder what Lamech thought when he passed the moments before. Because he didn't see the promise fulfilled yet. But what he did see was the promise continuing. And it says there, Verse 30, then Lamech lived 595 years after he became the father of Noah and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Lamech were 777 years and he died. We end in 32, Noah was 500 years old and Noah became the father of Shem, Ham, and Jephthah. It is not given in the order of their ages. In case you were wondering, in case you were not wondering, you can just set that aside for the moment. What does it matter, this particular genealogy? Well, what it matters is it says that God's promises will come true, but they are not coming true in the time frame that we desire or that they desire. But God ensures that the line comes through, that that line will go directly to a large wooden boat without a rudder, with a small family and a whole bunch of animals. That, it's, that God's plan of salvation will not look like a plan of salvation that we give. 
that God's plan of salvation is very specific. It's inclusive to say that all who believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior will be saved, but it's exclusive to the fact that if you don't believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, damnation awaits you. It is pointing that picture that Noah will be the one who will, who will build this ark, listening and walking to God as a beacon of salvation to come. It doesn't look like what we will desire because at some point in time, there will be a whole lot of corpses in the water. Yet God's plan is working. There is light on the path. The promised seed is preserved. The seed of the line of Cain will perish. But those who have worshipped God rightly will continue on keeping the line going, all pointing to Jesus Christ. Adam, Seth, Enosh, Noah, all coming down the line to Jesus. They thought Noah would give rest, but he was not the one. But there are those, but Noah trusted in God's plan. God will always work through small numbers to show that his plan is working. Noah walked with God, directing his past, illuminating the way of hope, the light shining for him. Noah trusting in God, who never knew the name Jesus but trusting that God would prevail and bring about the salvation that He promised. The same goes for us today in this world. Do we listen to these facts and do we, what do we do with them? I would say you must believe in Jesus. As I was talking with one of our congregants earlier today, you must believe in Jesus 1 John 3.23, it is commanded to us to believe in that line. In the seed that is to come that Jesus is the one who has crushed the head of the snake, the serpent. To believe in Jesus as the light upon your path. In a world full of false belief and false teachers. To trust in Jesus. To not believe you understand that we right now have many people in both political parties that affirm all the sin that will bring about damnation in Romans chapter 1, 18-32. That we have people that are literally running on this platform. All those things. We want to say to all those people, you have hope in Jesus. You have hope in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You have from that line that goes the whole way back to Genesis 3.15 through Adam, through Seth, through Enosh, through Enoch, through Noah, through Abraham, through Moses, through David. That line that points the whole way through right to Jesus on the cross as your only hope your only beacon, the only light on your path, to trust in Him. He is the light of the world. He is the one that illumines our life, that gives us hope, so that we are not miserable people in a world that seems to embrace misery, 
but we point to the hope that is found in the cross in a living Savior that sits on the throne. We know that His Word is the light that is on our path and when we read it, that tells us all about this Savior. Ephesians 5, 8. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. If you are wandering in the wilderness, I encourage you to come to Jesus. To come to know Him as your Lord and Savior. To trust in the promises that are there. To know that He will take away all your sins and provide you with eternal life. I beg you, I implore you, that you would come to know Jesus. And that if you do know Jesus, point others to this light that is found in Christ. Point to Him as the hope that you have. Let's pray. Father God, thank You for this day and we always want to thank You for the day that we're given. One more day to, to testify to You, to the, to the graciousness that You have given us in this life, that we would always point to Jesus as our hope and Savior, that we would be like Enoch, that we would be like Noah, that we would walk with the Lord, that we would seek to know Your ways, to trust in Your promises that always come true, that we are not like the rebellious ones, but that we are the trusting ones in You, God that we cling to You, Jesus, that we know that You have us and that You will never let us go, that we cannot get out of Your grasp, that at our dying day that we will be lifted into paradise and at the new heaven, the new earth, that new bodies are given without sin and that we will be with You forever. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.